Welcome to Don't Eat Your Young, a nursing podcast with your host, Beth Quas. Before we get started, we have a few quick notes. Don't Eat Your Young is a listener-supported podcast. To learn more about becoming a member and the perks available to you for becoming a patron yourself, visit patreon.com slash don't eat your young. You can learn more about the show, share your story to join Beth as a guest, or connect with our wonderful community in our Facebook group. You can find all those links and more at don'teatyouryoung.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Don't Eat Your Young. I'm your host, Beth Quas. Today, I have Allison Tweedy with us. I'm excited to talk to her. She has a way of uh, working through her own burnout and following her calling. So I'm excited to have her on the show today. Welcome, Allison. Thank you so much, Beth. I'm so excited to have you and for you to share your story because you've kind of figured out how to come back from burnout. (laughs) I guess if you can call it that way. (laughs) (laughs) You found a way to move forward, I'll say. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I am 50 years old. I'm a mother of four. All my kids are grown. They are from 21 to 30. I have one grandbaby. Funny enough, I am 50 years old and finally feel like I am following the path I'm supposed to take in this life. (laughs) That's fantastic. So tell us a little bit about what you've done in nursing. I I was first a hairdresser for 21 years and then um, knew I was going to be getting divorced. So ended up going back to school and getting my nursing degree while it's school. I also taught labs for anatomy, physiology, and pathophysiology. um, And I have a great passion for teaching and had thought at first that I wanted to maybe go into nursing, you know, as a a teacher rather than than, um, actually working in a hospital or whatever. But I decided to choose the hospital route. I wanted to have some experience under my belt and such. So anyway, I got a job at a local hospital. And beginning, I worked on the float pool. Um, I wasn't sure where I wanted to land. I wanted to see what there was out there. Um, I'm also a Gemini. <laughs> I think that has something to do with it. And um, so I kind of I kind of wanted to see where what the different floors had to offer. So I did my stint in medical and surgical. And then there was a time when I was approached by others to put in for a position in the cath lab. So I did. I ended up getting that position. That was a couple years of awesomeness and hell all at the same time. It was a male environment. Uh, There was two male nurses and the rest were techs. And I had no idea that it could be so toxic. They were cruel. I was threatened multiple times with my life um, by the one of the male nurses. He told me he wanted to cut my throat. Things like that. And it was toxic. And at that point in time, I was just going to leave the hospital. Just put in my two weeks and, and leave. But I had a couple close friends who were not nurses there, but nurses regardless. And they said, actually, it was a guy 
I was dating and a couple um, friends, let alone my um, a couple family members, because I had reached out to them at times. And, you know, I'm a type of person I'm like I can I can kill them with kindness. I can, you know, that sort of thing. Well, it it didn't work. I don't know. I don't know what the deal was, whether I was a threat or whatever. But they said, you have got to go report this. So I actually went to, um, into HR and I knew HR, I knew the, the head of HR. And so I just said, Hey, can we have a conversation? And I went in and told him what was going on. She was a nurse, you know, and then had gone up in administrative ranks. And I can't remember what her title was, but anyway, she sat in and, and they had me take a few days off with pay and they went in and talked to them. The, Um, I had gone in for an evaluation with my boss and my supervisor actually right before I went and told um, HR about this and recorded it. And it was quite telling. So yeah, that, that was that experience. And then they wanted me to stay. And I became what was called a resource nurse in the hospital. And I worked on every floor. Was that person able to keep their job? (laughs) Ridiculously enough, yes. That nothing, nobody lost their jobs, even with the things that were admitted on the um, audio. Um, nobody lost their job. There was no punishment isn't the right word, but disciplinary action. So I really felt very much like it was a waste of my time. I hear that over and over again, I've had the same experience. I know. Uh, I've been called into HR, um, not because I made a complaint, but because someone else made a complaint about one of my coworkers and they called me and, and I had to corroborate everything that that person said and nothing was done about it. And that's why we can't change toxic culture because no one's willing to do what needs to be done, which is very sad. To step up and change it. I said, nobody has the balls to actually do it. Right. You know, I don't know if it's still a a people pleaser mentality or what it is, but it's so bad. Usually what HR says to the person that is causing the problems is they say, now you go back to work, but there can be no retaliation. Well, you know that there's retaliation. Once that person knows that someone is not happy with what they're doing, it happens all the time. And there was, there was retaliation. And part of it's my fault because I stayed at the hospital, you know, they're, they're like, what floor do you want to work on? I'm sure that they did all of this so that I wouldn't have any legal action taken because I could have, you know, with the things that had been said, the things that had been recorded, I definitely, you know, but that's, that's not who I am, but there are some days where I'm like, hmm. Maybe I should have, but I mean, it's neither here nor there now, but that nothing was done and the irony of it all. I mean, I was still in the hospital and they still needed me here and there. And so I still had to go down and work in that environment here and there. But uh, you know what? I'm a big girl and I could do it. And, and especially I could do it knowing I wasn't going to be staying there. You know what I mean? I, it was going to be a day that I was working there or hours. There was a couple traumas that had come in and they needed my help because they needed another nurse, you know, because we were the ones that could administer medication and, you know, do certain things. And anyway, so 
you know, I went from that to being the resource nurse, being, you know, doing midlines and working throughout the hospital. I, when they had a big drama come in, I'd go down and work in the ER when I got, you know, or when they got overwhelmed and, or they'd call me when, you know, they needed me down there or in the ICU or whatever. And that was, that was fun for a bit. But I, again, I, I, it was much like being in the float pool. It was, I didn't have a home, right? I didn't have a place to say, my God, I didn't even have a place to hang my coat or put my purse. And that was the same with the float pool. And I am like, I just want a home, a space that I'm like, this is where I am. So I ended up leaving the hospital after years and getting a job in hospice. So that's where I actually finished my active nursing career, actively, you know, working in nursing that way. And did you find that working in hospice was a lot different than working in the hospital? A lot different. I don't know that that toxic environment necessarily went away. I never felt like anyone had my back and you could ask any of the nurses in the field. That was really hard. It's like once the nurses got into administrative work or whatever, then they were drinking the punch of administration and no longer gave a flying fart about those of us in the field. Do you know what I mean? No, they didn't care how many hours we were working. It just did not feel like you were ever supported. And that was the sad thing. And after like four years of of doing that, I decided I wanted to try to go into administration so that I could be the change that I wished to see. (laughs) Oh, the irony in that. But um, it's, it's a matter of when people let you, you know, but I also realized I am not an administrator. I cannot sit behind a desk and just push papers. That isn't me. And, and I mean, even if you look at my background as to job history, right? I've never had a job where I just did, you know, computer work, sat behind a desk. I was the change that I wanted to see. Funny thing is, is the company that I'd gone for, they didn't bother telling me they were in the middle of a Medicare audit. And so (laughs) that had been going on for three years. And now we were at the culmination the gal that trained me that didn't really do much in the way of training. I mean, she was a young gal, nothing against her per se, but they were swamped and they had, they were so short staffed that I didn't get that training. She went a month early to have her baby. So I just barely gotten there. My title was supposed to be clinical supervisor. So going from a hospice case manager to clinical supervisor. And within a month, I went from clinical supervisor to director of hospice. With no training, hardly any training. Oh, practically none. And I'm like, honestly, I I wanted to quit right there, but I couldn't leave them hanging. And so I stayed at that job for six months until you know she came back, got her feet underneath her a little bit. And I said, this is not for me. And I knew this whole time that I have a calling that is actually calling to me, a calling in this life. And I kept pushing it down because I'm single, right? And there's no support that way. I can't like figure out my calling and have somebody financially support me in in the interim. So I couldn't just quit my job. And nursing, as you know, it takes up all of your hours. 
I don't care if you're a nurse at the hospital and you only work three days a week. They're like, well, you'll only work three days a week. Okay, well, it takes you an entire day to actually recover from those three 12-hour shifts. And they never put them one, two, three, right? They go one, two, and then it takes you that full day to recover. And then you work another one. And then you still have part of a day you have to recover. So you really only get two days off in the long run. Right. And then I'm an empath. And so it engulfed my mind all of the time. Hospice was no different. Well, and then hospice, the hours of hospice were literally like almost 24 seven because you have patients that need you and you have, even though we have an on-call and on-call does things, patients and all their family members have your number. And so, and we weren't given an additional phone. um, So we had to use our personal cell phones as our work phone. Then you really never can get away. No, I never felt like I could get away. So I went from administrative work and I'm like, well, I'm, I've still got to figure out my path, but I can't give up benefits. I can't, you know, just live off the land basically. I mean, I had a house and everything, but I'm also a type one diabetic. So having no insurance was frightening. Right. And so I decided to go back to case management with a different company because I, I had moved quite far away and bought a house to go to be doing this administrative work at this different company. And then I went and went back to case management with a different company. It was utter hell. So what brought you to making the decision to leave nursing and finally following your calling? My calling has to do with healing. I am a healer. I can't get away from that. It is who I am. But I felt that nursing is not the path of healing for me to help people heal. And and my my whole trajectory is that, yes, I am a healer and I want to help people to heal. But what I really want to do is I want to teach people how to heal themselves. Because I feel that we live in a world where we've lost the ability to be resilient. A lot of it, a lot of the reason we've lost the ability to be resilient is of ease, right? And we want everything right now, you know, give it to me now. And that's, that's, that's the life we've kind of live and, um, you know, give me a pill to fix that. I don't want to be ugly. So give me a pill to fix that. I don't want to be fat. So give me a pill to fix that instead of putting in the work and, actually realizing that all of the power, all of the things that we need actually come from within. And I want to help people unlock that for themselves, give them ideas, give them proverbial tools to use in their toolbox. That's the reason for my podcast, right? And so I want to love people and I want to, I I just want to help them heal. I want them to see what is actually inside them and realize that they are the magic Right. They are the drug that they need and they have it all inside them. You know, God, they could just only see what I see from the outside and realize all of that is in inside. They don't need to look any further. So how yeah. are you doing that for people? How are you helping them? Well, I'm still figuring all of that out. I feel that I'm supposed to do some traveling that hasn't happened per se quite yet. Right now, I I do a podcast. Talk to us about that. 
it just dropped in January. January 3rd was its first, the first episode. It's called From Weeds to Wildflowers, The Search for Resilience. And so I do like every other episode is a solo episode. And then every other episode, I'm still figuring everything out, but every other episode is I have a guest revealing other people's ideas of resilience, you know, what it means to them, how they've had to figure that out in their own life. And then even on, you know, on episodes that I'm doing, you know, what is resilience and just kind of musing on myself as to what that means to me. I get very raw. I get very personal, but that is again, who I am. I've never been one to hide my feelings. I've never been one to hide my, what somebody would call mistakes. I will put them right out there. I live my life on my sleeve. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that might not be as good. So through that, I'm hoping to do some good. I also, um, I'm in the middle of a breathwork course um, through a company called Pause. And I could have been a breathwork facilitator already because they've got short little courses that other people are putting out there. But as a nurse, I wanted something that I felt bred safety. Um, because breathwork can bring up triggers. It can be very triggering at times if, you know, depending on the trauma that people have gone through. And I wanted to, whatever I did, I wanted to do it with a trauma-informed lens. I said, maybe that is just the nurse in me. But this pause course is a six-month course. Um, I'm just going to be starting practicums where I'm going to start breathing people. Anyway, I really feel called to do this throughout this course. It's it's a gorgeous course. Honestly, it has been put together so beautifully. Six months. The first three months is figuring out yourself, right? It's it's healing your own trauma. You are embodying what you're going to be teaching, which is first and foremost important to me. That is why, I mean, like I'm a diabetic, right? And so my endocrinologist, I love him with all of my heart. He is a diabetic and he has two boys that are diabetics. And it just, I, and I'm not saying that you always have to be what it is you do, but I will tell you that when you do, it changes everything. Absolutely. Right. I can go into my doctor and I'll say, I am, this is what I'm dealing with. Do you, you know, does that make sense? And he'll be like, oh, absolutely. And he'll, you know, and he knows just what what I'm talking about. I used to have an endocrinologist that she, she'd be like, Oh no, you know, I've never heard of that. That's not in the book basically. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you can ask about 10 other diabetics and they'll tell you the same thing. But so same thing, you know, have the, one of the reasons for the podcast, I've lived the need for resilience. I continue to live the need for resilience each and every single day. I think people just sometimes don't realize that they do too. And sometimes it helps to realize that, you know what, somebody else has not always got their shit together. You said something very important. You said you work with people to find out how to work on what they need for resiliency, which is one thing that hospitals get wrong every single day. Their resiliency training is a joke. They put something out there. It is not what people need or what they asked for, but they don't know because they've never asked the questions. Agreed. I think until organizations like 
just what you're doing. Ask the people what they need because everybody comes from a different place. Everybody comes from a different place. And it means something different to everybody. I even talk in one of my episodes, I said, you know, resilience can look so different to every person. And each situation is different, right? So you it's got to be cultivated differently. It's got to be tailor-made. But one of the things I want to do with my breath work is I would actually love to bring it back to my nursing community because I feel that nurses need healing. We are so taught to heal other people and yet not taught how to heal ourselves. And the job in and of itself is, is tough, right? Right. It is emotionally, spiritually, physically taxing and mentally taxing all of those things. And then all of our efforts, all of our energies are put out in helping other people. And we come back and just feel so drained. What I would love to do is teach these people, these nurses, these healthcare workers that they have the ability to fill their own bucket, even though they feel like their bucket has been emptied and and dry as a bone. And it has, and it is. And it has. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I've often found that anytime we are looking outside of ourselves for something, it's because we can't find that in within ourselves. And so we need to look inside. So when we're asking somebody else to fill that bucket, we actually have the ability to fill that bucket. Yes. I'm not saying that other people don't need a help, but what I think we need to do is we need to teach people to heal. And I think bringing breath work back to the nursing community can help them in releasing things that they need to release, you know, letting go of certain things that they need to let go of and working through traumas that they experience in their job each and every day. You know, I just think it can, it can go so far. And I think we could, if we don't start doing something to heal our nurses, we are going to be screwed. Yes. We're getting there. We're already getting there. I know we are. I have been shamed by, I can't even tell you how many people for the fact that I have quit mainstream nursing. They don't listen to the fact that my goal is to bring healing back to the nurses. Right. You know, which is fine. It's fine. It's not fine, actually. And this is exactly why I wanted to have you on as a guest, because... The people that shame you have no clue no what idea. goes on in the hospital with sick patients. And we become attached to our patients and, you know, they're very sick. They're, they may not have the best life outside of the hospital. And we know that. Or when a patient dies, no one comes and says, are you okay? They say, exactly. You got four other patients, five other patients, six other patients, whatever. You don't have time to mourn. Move on. You have an admit coming now that that bed is open. Right. So just move on. As I said, you do not have the time to mourn. You have to move on. And the problem with that is that becomes stuck within you. You know, and then you get so many of those things stuck. And I said, it's no wonder that nurses have a problem with drinking, divorce, obesity, you know, all of these things. We've even had problems with suicide in recent, in the recent year or so. And I'm like, if that does not speak volumes, I don't know what does. I mean, listen to that. 
the people we want taking care of us are not being taken care of. Right. That's not, that's not fair. It's not fair. And we just keep piling more and more on. You know, people are like, oh, you're a nurse. I'm going into nursing. And I wish that I felt joy in my heart for them. But when they tell me they're going into nursing, these cute little girls, right? (laughs) My heart almost drops. I know what it looks like from the inside. And it is not pretty. You know? And it starts at the head and all the way down to the foot. It doesn't matter. I agree. And I know that our nursing education needs a major revamping. Oh, overhaul. Completely. And how are we going to get there? I I want to be part of the solution. Right. But how do we get there? That's That's me. You healing the people that are already there is going to help because we need the experienced people. We need the people out there working now. But I do not blame one person for leaving healthcare, whether it's nurses, physicians, anybody that's working in there. I can't imagine the people that come in and clean the rooms, they finish cleaning one and you probably have a sense of accomplishment. And then it's, there's 16 others get moving, keep going. And and in the days of COVID, trying to do their best and we're all scared of whatever germ this is out there. And it's a, it's a crazy time. And I, I'm happy for anyone that finally says, I've had enough and I need something better for myself and leaves. And I'm so happy that you did that. And I'm happy. It took me years. It took me years. There's guilt. There's guilt. And like you said, shame. You've been shamed. Huge amounts of guilt. Well, and then I'm like, I put all of this time, all of this effort, all of these years, all of the money I spent to become a nurse. And so I'm like, how could I not be a nurse? Right. No. And I've decided my health, my life is worth more than whatever it is I spent on that. And if I can do more good what with what I'm doing, then I feel it's a win. So where can people find you? I'm on um, Instagram. I'm on Facebook, just as Allison Tweedy. Um, you can look that up. It's T-W-E-D-E. Looks like Tweed, but pronounced as Tweedy. Um, but my podcast is on, you know, any platform where you find your podcast. It's from weeds to wildflowers. Soon I will be um, putting out there my breathwork stuff. As soon as I become a, a, a certified facilitator, I will be creating a business around that as well. But yeah, I just, I hope to keep things going. Like I said, I, I write children's books and in my children's books, I try to do healing things that, you know, trying to bring healing to our children as well. If we can get it in, when they're young, how much better off we'll be in the long run. So things like that. Well, I'm excited to see where you go. And I'm so happy that you're still here healing people. It doesn't matter where you are doing it. I'm glad that you're doing it, especially for nurses. What would you like to share with nurses out there still trudging along? I want to tell my nurses first and foremost that I love them. I cherish them and I know what they're going through. I want them to know that there's not just light at the end of the tunnel. There is light every damn step of the way. It's what you find. It's how you find it. 
And I want them to know that there is healing, but they need to think about their own emotional, mental, spiritual, and their physical health. They need to care for themselves and make that a priority every damn day. Every damn day. That is so powerful. Hear that, people. You're worth it. You're all worth it. Oh, you're so worth it. So worth it. Thank you. Allison, I so appreciate you coming on today and being so vulnerable because that means a lot to me and the listeners as well. So you keep doing you. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm so And excited. you keep doing you, Beth. I, I'm going to keep doing me. Doing. Thank you so much. Allison, it was a pleasure to have you on today. And I hope people can find you. Go listen to her podcast and heal yourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Donut Your Young was produced in partnership with True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. Music by The Lighthearts. Find the show, show notes, and transcripts at DonutYourYoung.com. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. But the best thing you could do to support the show is to share it with a friend or colleague. Thank you for listening. Bye.